Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. We've all been there where we've had these crazy thoughts where we're back and forth. But how many know we don't have to live there? How many know we can be strong in our minds and strong in our faith and strong in our walk? Come on, if you believe that, put your hands together. Hallelujah. That's what this series is all about. As we say hello to our Philly family, so excited that we could be in part three of the Living the Dream series And the bottom line, brothers and sisters, is that God has a dream for your life. And nothing can stop the power of the dream of God if we put our faith in him. We don't have to be double-minded. We don't have to be super fragile. Can I tell you, as I was praying about this this week, and as I look at the landscape and how things have shifted in our culture, even though they've adopted and, and adapted to the fragile minds of people, as a child of God, you don't have to be emotionally fragile. As a child of God, you don't have to live trying to protect yourself all the time. As a child of God, you don't have to walk around in fear and in doubt because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Anybody believe that here today? Come on, he's with us, hallelujah. You don't have to be super sensitive. You can be strong, you can be steady. And that's what the life of Joseph teaches us. What the life of Joseph teaches us is that regardless of even difficult circumstances, dysfunction in your past and trauma in your past, it just can't douse the dream. And that's the title of the message today. Let's say that together, ready? Dysfunction can't douse the dream. Anybody here believe it? One more time. Dysfunction can't douse the dream. And part of what we want is for you to leave this place more equipped, more ready, full of faith, so that when your mind starts going in those places, you stop it with the authority of the word of God, with the assurance that Christ is with you. Hallelujah. Dysfunction. Cannot douse the dream of God. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to read snatches. We are still in Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to go actually to 39. But let me tell you about chapter 38 was another episode of family dysfunction. We're not even going to touch it because Joseph is not there. But the truth of the matter is, is that God allowed these stories to show that he doesn't call perfect people. But he grows us, he transforms us, and he uses us for his glory. Anybody happy about what Jesus has done so far in your life? Hallelujah. Well, he's not finished yet. 
He's not finished yet. But let's read. Remember, you're talking about a 17-year-old kid who has not had a fun time. His father favored him. We talked last week about generational dysfunction, all kinds of unwise ways. Look, if you can be a wise uh, parent, you can be an unwise parent. Okay? So it's not automatic. We have to get the wisdom that we need. And Jacob had been through his things. And so Jacob uh, 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 lacked some wisdom, even though he was a man after God's own heart. You could be a man, a woman after God's own heart, but all you can do is keep growing. We can keep growing. But let's look at how it went for Joseph. We're going to start with verse 11, and it says, His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Picking up from last week, if you didn't listen to last week's message, please go and do this, because these are two thoughts that complete addressing the whole topic of dealing with dysfunction and trauma. Verse 18, it says, But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. How do I know this is a jacked up family? Okay. It says, so jumping down, it says, so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Again, verse 38, more family strife. Verse 39, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Verse 2, and here it is. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. How many know no matter what you've been through, how many know no matter, no matter what situation you find yourself in, because you're a child of God, I'm telling you right now in Philadelphia, I'm speaking to every person watching online, you can still prosper because of God. Because God is working right now. God is here today. Even in the most difficult of circumstances, the Spirit of the Lord is with you. God is with us, and we can still prosper. Amen? And so what we're going to begin to learn from Joseph is that you don't have to live in light of your past. You don't have to live in light of the things that crash upon your life. Joseph is not just a living example of this. His life is a personal promise to us. 
and the promise is declaring that, that your past does not have to douse God's future for your life. Everybody say it ends with me. He's proof that you don't have to carry it with you. I'm gonna tell you right now, from this moment on, you will never pick up a moment where Joseph is carrying his hurt and his pain and his shame and his abandonment and his rejection. Something transpired in his heart between him and God. And what I wanna tell you, something can happen in your heart between you and God that can change the way you live. It can knock the chip off of your shoulder. Will you believe for a transaction between you and God? Will God will give you peace despite the pain? Will you believe that God can give you joy despite all of the sorrows? That's why he's so worthy. That's why he's so, so powerful. Jumping to the New Testament, I have one more verse for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, come on, let's read this together. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. How many believe the new is here? Hallelujah. So I want to give you an opening illustration, something I've used in counseling um, for over 30 years and something I've, I've tried to remind myself in the most difficult seasons because we all go through tough seasons. But what, part of what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 means is that when you meet God, the, God says your old life, including all of the things that have come up, it's gone. And your new life is here. But here's the key. The way to look at your life is as if your life is two fields. Okay? So there's the old field. And then there's the new field. When you become a Christian, it doesn't mean that you don't have an old field. It doesn't mean that you don't have thorns and weeds and all kinds of stuff that, ha that are real. This is not denying the reality of what the old field has brought up. But when you and I become Christians, our hearts, our lives are like a new field. And let me tell you something, if you will sow seed into the new field, if you will sow seed into the good seed into the new field, and if you will focus your energy on the new field, if you starve the old field, no water, no time, no light of day, just leave it alone and sow the seeds of faith right here. I'm telling you right now, that's gonna die and this is gonna grow, hallelujah. One's gonna die, the other one is gonna grow. And it speaks to any part of your life. It speaks to any part of your life. You know, I've, I, it's been a long time since I told this, but uh, you know, I was on my way, when I was 17 years old, I thought, hey, I'm signing for 
a lot of money. I'm going to be a professional baseball player. Shortstop for the Cubs, Sean Dunstan came. I knew him since I was a kid. And he said, Al, you're going to be so rich. Told me all this stuff. He said, just take it easy. You're going to be so rich. I've been in the minors. You got the stuff, blah, blah, blah. So I get hurt. I get saved. And the day I give my life to the Lord was the beginning of the end of my baseball career. Greatest disappointment, one of the greatest disappointments of my life. And then I had to reap the fruit of not studying, you know, because I didn't study. I had to reap the fruit of only working on one thing in my life, which was baseball. So even though I was real, I had a man's work ethic in one part of my life, but in the rest of my life, I was like a lazy bum. My mom did everything. Um, not that my wife would agree with that because I'm so clean and neat in the house, but that's, that's a, <laughs> right? But listen, I remember one day, one of the toughest days being a kid, I remember one day when I realized, I literally looked in the mirror and said, you know what? You've turned into a dummy. Okay, you don't know anything that's happening in the world. You don't understand anything that's going on. You, you are an expert at baseball and you can't use that anymore. Now I'm like, Jesus, what am I gonna do? And I've gone on to counsel so many guys who just got out of prison or used to be drug addicts. I've told them exactly what the Lord told me. So I started to uh, obviously read my Bible every day. And then I started to read the newspaper every day. I never read the newspaper in my life. So I started reading the newspaper every day. And I was reading the New York Times from cover to cover every day. Uh, I didn't really have much else to do. I got a little job. I was a terrible salesman, and I mean terrible. <laughs> but I remember being in school, and forgive me for the long, but, but this, this will speak to someone. I'll never forget the day that I was in school, and I had been reading in the New York Times about something that President Reagan, that's back in the Stone Age. You can, you can Google it, Okay. <laughs> President Reagan was trying to create this Star Wars initiative and all this kind of stuff. And we were talking in class and they, um, the teacher asked a question and without thinking, I raised my hand and I gave a moderately intelligent, <laughs> informed answer. And, and no, 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 don't clap. Okay, it's been a while now. I feel like I, I do read the paper now, okay? So, but listen, I put my hand down. The conversation kept going, and I almost started bawling. I almost started bawling because I realized something is happening. God is changing me from the inside out. And I've told so many so many guys who just got off of drugs or something like that. Read the paper. Read your Bible every day. Read the paper every day. Stretch. Do a little exercise every day. And try to do something productive every day. And I'm telling you, you will, if you sow good seed, you will reap. If you sow good seed, you will change. Hallelujah. The field of God is ready to receive your seeds of faith. And God will water it. God will bless it. God will grow it. And it will not be the same kind of future as your past. Could somebody say, yes, Lord, I say amen. So 
So God, help us to receive. Help us to receive by faith, God, your dream for our lives. Let your dream overpower, overshadow, God, trauma, abuse, dysfunction, God, things that cycle in our minds, I want you to break cycles today in the name of Jesus. Break cycles of fear, break cycles of anger, break cycles of, of self-protection, oh God. Break them by your mighty power, oh God. Give us the faith and the hope and the joy to sow knowing that we will reap, oh God, great seed and great, great fruit, Lord from our simple seeds. Do these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember your life, your heart is a field. That's why sowing good things into your heart, this is where we're going to end. But that's why watching online, what are you putting into your heart by faith? That's the key. And seed today is powerful. You know, you grow up in Brooklyn, it's an amazing thing. Those trees grow. And sometimes you see a tree is here. And sometimes over here, the roots are so strong that they grow up. And sometimes, like over here, you see in Chicago too, right? Over here, it pops and breaks the concrete. God wants to grow something inside of your heart that is so powerful. It will break every stronghold. It will break down every wall. Hallelujah. This is, a, this is such an amazing truth to know that no matter where you are today, God has a phenomenal tomorrow for you. He has a phenomenal tomorrow. Okay. So how do you do it? Okay, last week we talked about understanding the seeds of dysfunction, the seeds of oppression from the enemy, seeds of trauma. This week it's going to be simply focused on how do you do it. So number one, okay, you got to get rid of it, don't relocate it. Okay, when it comes to dysfunction, you have to get rid of it instead of relocate it. One of the things that you see from Joseph's life is that he took God with him, but he didn't take his dysfunction with him. It ended with him. You've got to get rid of that thing instead of carry it, and there's no way to get rid of it if you don't face it. So lots of people don't realize that they have this habit of relocating their dysfunction. But in the book of James, look at this. In the book of James, it's very clear. It says, so get rid of. Get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. It doesn't matter what the start of it was. It doesn't matter if you have a built-in weakness because your father taught you to have that built-in weakness or your mother browbeat you into having a certain built-in weakness. The Bible says get rid of it. Everybody say get rid of it. 
Get rid of it. There comes a point where you stop making excuses and you say, my unforgiveness is a filthy habit. My anger is a filthy habit. My, my, my uh, 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 always responding like, like I'm angry with somebody or protecting myself and always defending myself. That's a filthy habit. It's not godly. We got to get rid of it. And the funny thing is, is when you get rid of it, you're free and you're strong and you're ready for the new thing that God has for your life. But we're living in a day where we relocate it. You know, in the 1980s, there was a, this massive construction project that became scandalous. It became known as Mount Henry. Henry was the first name of an alderman who was ultimately arrested. All kinds of people got arrested um, in, in Chicago government because what they did is they took all of the debris of tearing up the ground to, to, to uh, fix and build out the Kennedy all of that debris, instead of getting rid of it the proper way, they just relocated it to different places on the west side. And a majority of the residents wound up uh, with health-related issues, most notably breathing complications. So many children ended up with asthma and more. And the corner of the dump became a hotbed of crime within the neighborhood. Look at the size of this man and look at the size of this. Look at the size of this car. This is Mount Henry. Okay? And let me tell you something. What's the moral of the story? When you relocate your dysfunction, okay, wherever you relocate it, that's where you'll get sick again. That's what will grow new disease. So we got to get rid of it instead of relocate it. We're living in a day where we have a tendency. We're running from ourselves. I had someone say to me once, look, I got so tired of running from myself because I ran so fast and then I would crash into myself all over again. Whatever it is, you got to identify it. If you can discern it, you can defeat it, okay? Whatever it is, you can identify it. Look, we talked about this in the Learn, Live, Give series, and I really want to point this out. I want to revisit the, the pathway of life because here's what we need to understand. There are two pathways, okay? This is the pathway that Christ has. He says, come learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you put this yoke on, you put this vest on, and you let Jesus lead you. And it takes faith and you have to yield before the growth opportunity. Everybody say yield. You and I will have these consistent moments with God. Okay, whether you feel him or not, if you're a child of God and you want to grow and you're not ignoring him, I'm telling you right now, you put on the yoke, you say, lead me, grow me, change me, transform me. There comes a moment in every person's walk with God and it's a cycle over and over again where you have to yield to the growth opportunity. 
okay? Now, growth opportunities are not always easy. Uh, your growth opportunity will, will often be you got to face something that's difficult. You got to face something that's hard. But God wants to give you muscles in areas where you're weak. God wants to strengthen you and make you free in places that used to represent bondage. So you got to face it. Everybody say face it. So look, you yield to Jesus and he says, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. But you got to go. And he takes us into these growth opportunities. When you go there with Jesus, that's when we experience personal transformation. Jesus concludes that verse by saying, and I will give you rest. Okay, now. Here's what happens very, very often. When people, they start out in faith, they, they get to the moment of yielding, and it becomes too difficult. And so they jump off of the road of Christ, and they jump towards the pull towards safety. Okay? When you think sometimes that you're protecting yourself by just avoiding stuff, you're actually hurting yourself. You're prolonging what God wants to do. Now, I'm not saying stay in dangerous situations. I'm not saying stay in hurtful situations. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the fact that there are things inside of you and me. I'm telling you right now, one of the greatest days of victory was the moment that I looked in the mirror and I said, you've become a dummy. You don't know what's going on. You don't have a clue of what's happening because you put all your eggs in one basket and guess what, those eggs broke, you know? But what are you gonna do now? Well, I'm gonna start sowing seeds. And you have to face the fact that God has a way out for you, but not if you run. We have to know that true relief comes when you go through it, not when you avoid it. I knew this was going to be a quiet message. But I know you're taking this thing in deep. I want to give you a really awesome example. So I don't know how many months ago, um, we were flying back from Philly to Chicago. And um, we fly so much that once in a while, uh, uh, we get bumped to business class. So... Um, so that day, Chrissy got bumped to business class, and I was back in the back. <laughs> so she had the chips and the soda, you know. So anyways, she starts to send me these, these pictures because she was sitting next to Doug Collins. Doug Collins, uh, uh, of all things, he was the, the, the head coach of the, of the Bulls, and of the Sixers. And so she got to talk to him, wonderful man of God. And when we got off the plane, we took this photo with him. It was so cool. And you can't see it. And I, I thought I took a picture of it, but I lost it. But here's why I'm saying this. So on one of these wrists, he carries a band just like this one. Okay, my band says, I am becoming. But his band says two things. It says abandonment 
and rumination. And he said, I wear this band because when he was growing up, I'm not gonna give you all of the details, but he had a very rough childhood. And even though he becomes this famous superstar, played in the Olympics, did all, I mean, he's kind of, talk about living the quote dream. But even though he, all of these great things happened for him, there was a part of him that battled with, with abandonment and rumination. You kind of heard rumination. It means that in your mind, you keep cycling over the negative thing, the negative thing, the negative thing, the negative thing in your mind or the hurtful thing or the painful thing and just going on. So he, he has rumination and abandonment and he was telling us, you know why I have this? It's because every day I face my enemy and I will not allow it to have victory over my life. Hallelujah. He says, I will walk in victory. And we no longer have to be slaves to hurt or pain or the past. You may have to deal with it. You may have to go to counseling. You may have to start a process but no more relocating. And I wanna, I wanna encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, have I been relocating stuff? Are there issues in my life that you want me to face instead of relocate? And so the first thing that has to happen is we have to say, okay, this is God's season, this is God's time, and I'm going to grow in the Lord even in the area of weakness. And I do wanna, I do wanna say this. You've gotta find ways. Listen in Philly. You've gotta find ways to get close to God every day. Okay? It's not once a week. How many know it's every day? How many know it actually becomes moment by moment? You can get close to God. Now, how does that happen? Okay, so one thing was we're not going to, we're not going to run from the bad stuff. We're going to face the good stuff. But here's how we face the good stuff. You have to accept the word. Everyone say accept the word. And focus on the dream. This is the way, this is the way you actually start to sow seed in the new field that God has for your life. You have to accept the word and you have to focus on the dream. In other words, the way we break things in our life is that we have to start believing and receiving what God is saying about you now. So what is the Holy Spirit saying about you now? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. God has not given me a spirit of fear but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Hallelujah. 
So you know, if they could send me a keyboard player, you know one of the reasons why we make altar calls here? One of the reasons why we make altar calls is because we want you to learn that the best time to respond to God is right now. You see, the best time to respond to God is right now. So whenever you read the Bible, you need to read the Bible ready to receive and respond. You have to accept the word and focus on the dream. In other words, if there's something spinning in your mind, the, the, the negativity of what was done to you, the negativity of what was done to you, there comes a point where you have to say, even though that's true, I don't want to think about it anymore. God has not given me a spirit of anger. God has not given me a spirit of perversion. God has not given me a spirit of lust. God has not given me a spirit of cynicism where I don't trust anybody. God has not given me that spirit. I receive the spirit that he's given me. He's given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Anybody here ready to receive what God has given you? Hallelujah. And so that's the moment when you're reading the word of God, your word, the word has to replace what the word or what the world or psychologists call reflexive responses. Reflexive responses. What is a reflexive response? And we'll be closing in a minute. A reflexive response means that you assign meaning to something based on your dysfunction. It means that we protectively assign uh, or, or fearfully assign meaning to something that's happening. You understand? So, so you could be having a, a conversation. You ever have a conversation with someone that the minute you say hi, you can tell they don't trust you? You know, hey, how you doing? They're like, you know? And you're like, what's wrong with me? Or what, you know, what's wrong? Okay, you know why it is? It's because there's something in their space that assigns meaning to what's happening. You know? Like, like there's an unbelief. There's a doubt. There's a, there's a whatever it is. You know? Um, and you all of a sudden, think about all of the, think about the craziness of racism. Okay, somebody can give you a kidney transplant, a blood transplant. They can get a trans. They can be help you with a transfusion. They can, there's all of this kind of. You can, uh, uh, depending on who it is, <laughs> you can marry them. You can have children with them. You can build a family with them. But some kind of crazy thing gets into someone's head that says because they're different, they're wrong, and I'm better. So they're like, oh, oh. And they're looking at each other. What are you doing? You're assigning meaning. You're layering the moment with something that's really based not on the word of God, but based on your past dysfunction, trauma, or just flat out wrong thinking. 
when we discern that thought, that feeling is not from God, everything can change. And so it was so funny to talk to Doug Collins. He was so joyful. He was so overflowing. But you know what? It had nothing to do with his rings or his medals. It had everything to do with his walk with Jesus. How many know your walk with Jesus will make the difference? I have a, I have a, um, a list. I have a list like that. I collect of verses. Hello. That's all right, I'm Cuban. <laughs> you know the devil likes messing with the sound system, right? <laughs> Almost done here. But listen, here's some of my latest. One of the things I do is when I'm reading the Bible, I just collect verses and I try to read them during the day or meditate on them, okay? So this was my latest, I read this uh, yesterday. Do your best to win full approval in God's sight. This is out of Timothy, so it's for a pastor, um, but for all of us. Do your best to win approval in God's sight as a worker who's not ashamed of his work, one who correctly teaches the message of God's truth. Okay, here's another one. I'll be preaching on this. You gotta come on Tuesday. I'm ready. Okay. You caused abundant rain to fall and restore your worn out land. How many know God's going to send some rain on Tuesday? How many are ready for some rain? Hallelujah. You see, there's an application every time you read the word. Psalm 65, 4. Happy are those whom you choose, whom you bring to live in your sanctuary. Watch this. We shall be sanctuary uh, satisfied with the good things of your house, the blessings of your sacred temple. That's why when you go into the Lord's temple, come on, worship him and be happy. Say, Jesus, I'm so happy to be with you, Lord. We praise you. We celebrate you. We worship you. Can we have a reality moment? So here's the reality. You can come to church for 20 years. Worship comes, you sit like this. I've seen it. Okay? I'm telling you right now, you're not going to get much. You got to open up your heart. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy of my song. Come on, is he worthy of your song today? Hallelujah, he's worthy. He's worthy, he's worthy, hallelujah. You just say you're worthy, you start getting happy. You see, that's the way things change. That's the way you change from an obsession with alcohol or an obsession with weed or an obsession with this. You start to fill your mind with the good things that come from God. Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Hallelujah. You have to accept the word. Focus on the dream. One more thing and then we're going to pray. So... 
How do you know? This is natural, basic Christianity. How do you know that you're accepting the word? You know that you're accepting the word. There are more things, but here's the basic things. Number one, your reading is producing faith. That means when you read the Bible, you're saying, I received this for my life. You feel worn out, say, God, send the rain. Because you send rain to worn out land, right? I receive it. I, when you read the Bible, you, it should produce faith inside of you. Faith comes by hearing and the hearing of the word of God. Number two, your faith is producing praise. Now, I'm not going to let this go. Because some people say that worship and praise is emotionalism. But I'm telling you right now, you ask those Cubby fans about emotionalism. You ask the, the, the people who are at the political convention about emotionalism. And what are they celebrating? It's going to wear out. It won't impact your heart. But Jesus will impact your eternity. Jesus will impact your destiny. Jesus will impact your today and your tomorrows. Come on, he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. You know you're growing if you're praising. You know you're growing if you're worshiping. One of the first signs of real growth is that you get out of yourself. You get out of yourself and you can just worship the Most High God. Last thing, your faith actively sows seed into your new field. Now I want to close with this story. I, I, years I've told it before, but you know, I have so many stories. Good gracious, you know, I repeat them sometimes. But let me tell you something. One of the greatest examples of this happened early on in the days of our church. So, so many people have come and go and there was a couple at our church, I thought they had a phenomenal marriage and they did. I was like, these people are, they're just awesome. You know, and it was great to just see um, this couple, young couple. And we actually uh, went to eat one day. When we went to eat, we're waiting and um, we were waiting for the, to get our seats and there was someone there who came over and said hello to the wife. And something about when he came over, it was, do you know when something feels instant greasy? It was instant greasy. Like, I don't know why, but I just was like, yucca, I don't know what's wrong. So anyway, um, at a certain point, I, I said to her, yo, who was that? And she said, well, that was the leader uh, of a church when I was a kid who took advantage of me. And, and it was for years. And I was like, are you serious? I was like, 
I can't tell. How is it possible? You seem, you're so happy, you're so close to your husband, you're so this, you're so that. And she said to me, Pastor, it's all true. She said, but I just made a decision when I really got right with God, I made a decision that I was gonna let Jesus be all that he wants to be to me so that I could be all that I wanna be to my husband and my family. Hallelujah. And you know what? She said, he's never let me down. And even though I do have an ugly past, I'm telling you, I don't live with it in the present. Why? Because if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Hallelujah. Behold, the new has come. Come on, let's praise God if you believe that.